This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, hi there. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It's Friday, December 2nd, 2022, and I've got some crazy stories in this episode. You got to stay tuned. Uh, Virginia police officer poses as a 17-year-old boy and goes on a killing spree in California. The Delphi murders. Crazy stuff there. They could have solved this case five years ago. And America's unknown child has been identified after like 70 years. Stay tuned, you don't wanna miss this episode. Yes, super excited. We are all pumped to have James Renner. James Renner on. James Renner has zeroed in. James Renner once again drops a bombshell. Investigative journalist reporter James Renner, who's been on the podcast a long time front of By a local writer, James Renner. James Renner. James Renner. And we're back. And as always, we have Walter on the camera. Say hello, Walter. You know, it's just there for me at this point. I, I, I love him. Uh, <laughs> let's, he's a little bit of uh, levity, uh, brevity. Brevity is the, you got, you got a, that's the small one, levity, in this uh, otherwise dreary uh, show. Uh, <laughs> okay, top stories. Right off the bat, this story is the stuff of nightmares. Trigger warning, uh, you've, I, you heard it here first. Um, you may, if you have any trouble falling asleep at night and you hear things creeping around the house or your house is settling, do not listen to the story. It's nuts. Last week, three people were found murdered in Riverside, California, and police say the killer is a sheriff's deputy from Virginia who traveled across the country to abduct a 15-year-old girl. Now, if you're not familiar with Riverside, California, it's in Southern California. It's east of, it's in the Inland Empire, I believe they would call it. Um, that vast swatch of desert and mesquite that was, uh, popularized from the people that left Los Angeles in the 50s. Anyways, uh, Riverside's a weird place. It's kind of a go-between, and it's actually uh, the Zodiac's presumed first murder occurred in Riverside, and there's just all sorts of weird stuff that happens there. Um, anyways, uh, nothing quite as weird as the story that we got last week. Here's what happened according to articles that I found in the cut and TMZ. 
which you can find in the liner notes at the end of this episode. It all begins the day after Thanksgiving, last Friday, November 25th. Police were called to do a welfare check after neighbors saw a teen girl in distress being placed inside a red car in the neighborhood. The police started heading that way, and they they started hearing about these 911 calls that were coming in about a house on fire in the same neighborhood. As it turned out, that house was in fact where the teen girl lived. Firefighters were called, and inside the burning house, they discovered the bodies of three people, Mark and Sherry Winnick, and their 38-year-old daughter, Brooke Winnick. That was the mother and grandparents of this girl seen being put into the car. The police at that point had to be wondering what the hell is going on. They put out an APB for the car, for the girl. A few hours later, police in San Bernardino spot the pair and the car. A shootout ensues and the suspect then aims a gun at a police helicopter and is shot to death possible this was suicide by cop at the end. The girl was recovered in good health and was able to provide further info to the police. The man, the dead man, is one Austin Lee Edwards, a 28-year-old sheriff's deputy from the Commonwealth of Virginia who had been grooming the girl, they discovered, on social media. He was posing as a 17-year-old boy. And uh, here's this picture, as you can see. You know, if I was in a room full of people and they said, hey, you know, uh, if you could pick out the, the creep that works as a cop and poses as a 17-year-old boy on social media, and I'm, I'm pretty, sure, pretty sure I'd pick him. Not for nothing. Anyways, this, this sort of thing's becoming much more common. This reminds me of Keegan Klein, right? Who was linked to um, an account on social media that was posing as a young man and speaking with Libby German prior to her murder in Delphi, Indiana in 2017. So, you know, I tell my daughter, just assume if you haven't met the person face-to-face, just assume they're a middle-aged white man and until proven otherwise. So crazy time we live in, and a scary epilogue to the story, by the way. It's the cherry on top of this uh, awful, awful cake. Um, TMZ discovered that a few days before this murder spree, Austin Edwards bought a new house in Virginia and promptly tinted all the windows so nobody could see inside. Thankfully, they were able to rescue her before she ended up back in that house. Moving on, I got to talk about the Club Q story. This happened, I was on, you know, everybody, we took a break last week for Thanksgiving. Uh, and so I wasn't able to cover this case at the time. It's a little bit older, but this happened about two weeks ago. Club Q, um, on a Saturday night, uh, there are some details here that you might not have heard that I got to share with you. To recap, on November 19th, that's a Saturday night, 22-year-old Anderson Aldrich walked into an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs, which is called Club Q, walked in with his AR-15 style rifle, the rifle of choice of mass shooters in the United States, 
and uh, opened fire, killing five people and injuring 25 more. Police responded quickly. I mean, within four minutes, they were at the nightclub and subduing the suspect. Why? Because Colorado knows something about mass shootings, beginning with Columbine and Aurora and several more since. They're on alert out there. Um, now, since then, we've learned a little bit more about Anderson Aldrich, which I have to talk about because his life story is a mess. Uh, to begin with, that's not really his name. He was born Nicholas Brink, but changed his name because he didn't want to be associated with his father, a guy named Aaron Brink, who is an, MM, an MMA fighter and a porn star. Best known for his portrayal of Electro in Spider-Man Triple X. I'm not kidding. Here's the poster. Now, after the shooting... Aaron Brink was interviewed by CBS 8. He said his ex-wife had called him in 2016 to tell him that Anderson had changed his name and then promptly killed himself. And so Aaron mourned his death and for five years thought his kid was dead. Then about six months ago, he calls his dad up just to yell at him, which must have been very surreal. Oh, it gets better. Aaron Brink then went on to tell CBS 8 that a defense lawyer had called him and said that his son was arrested at Club Q. And his biggest fear at that moment was that that meant his son was gay. He said, quote, you know Mormons don't do gay. He said, there's no gays in the Mormon church. Sure, there aren't. Sure. The victims in that case are Daniel Aston, Kelly Loving, Ashley Paw, Derek Rump, and Raymond Vance. Aldrich was taken into custody and will face trial for several murders. And once he was arrested, he told the court that he's non-binary and uses they-them pronouns. So TMZ went out and interviewed his friends, and they're like, what in the world are you talking about? He couldn't be... He was always complaining about homosexuals. He would never use those pronouns. They believe that that's a tricky attempt to avoid... A hate crime charge in this case. Although when you're facing five murders, does it really matter in the long run? But anyways, that seems to just be a trick there. So um, I don't believe what those conservative media folks are telling you about that. Uh, <laughs> final top story this week, it's got to be Delphi. Delphi is probably the, the top story in the country again this week. Why? Because the police... Well, the court finally re released the probable cause document that showed why Richard Allen was arrested for the murders of Libby German and Abby Williams in 2017. He was just arrested a couple, uh, oh, last month, actually. Um, so, you know, since his arrest, Delphi police and prosecutors have been fighting tooth and nail against journalists, against armchair sleuths, against anybody that wanted it. Um, they didn't want to release this probable cause document, which generally shows why they were able to obtain an arrest. And it's our first glimpse into really any of the facts sur surrounding the, these Delphi murders. The police have kept that very quiet from the beginning. In fact, we still don't entirely know how Libby and Abby were killed. So the judge released the probable cause document this week and... Um, 
You know, let me go back just a little bit. The reason, one of the reasons why they weren't releasing this report is the police were saying that by releasing this, it might jeopardize the case. And members of the family and uh, podcasters with no background in journalism, um, you know, the, the kind of entertaining uh, podcast you might know, uh, were in support of that. They said, don't release this document. Don't give up the details. And my, you know, we had warned, you know, the, there are a couple other, you know, the murder sheet too is, has been at the forefront of the journalism covering this case from the beginning. And our concern was that one, what essentially what you're doing is operating a secret court, uh, but also that this might just be, uh, you know, the, the cops being a little tricky out there because there was something in the reports they didn't want to release because murders happen every day. The details are released to the press. Um, we have open courts and this is just the way it's done. But anyway, so some red flags there. And when they released the probable cause report this week, it, yeah, we were right. Um, it opened up a whole can of worms because Essentially, what we learned is they could have arrested Richard Allen about a week after the murders back in 2017. Uh, back then, Allen came forward to police himself to let them know he was on the trail at the Monon High Bridge the day that the girls were killed. He also said he was wearing clothes that matched the killer's clothes or the person seen on that Snapchat video. Um, so he's placing himself at the scene. He matches the description of the suspect. He owns a gun. By the way, the police found a 40 caliber bullet between the girls' bodies. They knew Richard Allen was there, and they just never tested the bullet against the gun. They recently went back and, because we'll get there in a second. Anyways, they, they've now tested that bullet against Richard Allen's gun, and they said in this probable cause document that that bullet had been placed in the gun and was ejected from that very gun, linking Richard Allen to the murder site, allegedly. So why did they wait this long, five and a half years? Because, and this comes from some breaking news from that Murder Sheet podcast, which you should listen to, it appears that somebody with the FBI simply misfiled the report. And that's that's what they're trying to do with, with damage control, and it may or may not be true. Um, but even if it were true, if this was just some, you know, clerical worker with the FBI who misplaced a piece of paperwork, it doesn't quite fly. Because in, in homicide investigations, certainly ones that are of this magnitude that involve multiple victims, detectives frequently go back to the first tips that have come in the week after the murder, they go back and go back and go back over it because something that they read years ago might now jog some sort of new puzzle piece that they've, that they've gleaned from information in those five years. So if they weren't doing that, if they weren't constantly revisiting the first tips that came in on this case, they were not doing their jobs correctly. And I hate to uh, armchair quarterback police because they generally do a good job but here it looks like they completely failed this case and the families of the the murdered girls um so it turns out it was all just to be excuse 
and uh, we should have had this probable cause document right away. Anybody else telling you differently is trying to sell you something, I guarantee it. Those are the top stories, December 2nd, and uh, I'm going to be right back after the break. We've got some cold case updates, including the boy in the box. We know who he is. Stay tuned. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. And we're back with The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. Let me tell you a story. We're going to go back in time. Uh, Back to 1971, uh, a woman, Alta Highsmith, was working as a waitress in Fort Worth. She's trying to make a nice life for her daughter who is newborn, 22 months old. Her name was Melissa. This is according to today.com. She put an ad, this is Alta, she put an ad in a local newspaper looking for a babysitter, caregiver, while she was at work. And a woman answered that ad, had a phone conversation, sounded like a nice woman. She came to pick up Melissa and never returned. This was 1971. Now, I know that sounds strange today, but think, 1971, that's not super weird. But last week, after 50 years, Melissa was found thanks to genetic genealogy, and not by police. 
This was done by the family. Melissa's biological father took uh, one of those tests with 23andMe. Family members helped him and got together. They, they did it too. They got a match with what appeared to be uh, a, a, a grandkid that they didn't know about. And this turned out to be one of Melissa's kids. Now, according to this article in People, Melissa grew up just 10 minutes. All this time, she's been living 10 minutes on the other side of Fort Worth from where she was taken. She was living under the name Melanie. She was never close to the woman who raised her, who she knew as mom, and she ran away at the age of 15. That woman, by the way, is still alive. First thing Melissa did was reach out to this woman who she had always thought was her real mother and said, hey, what's up? And that's when this woman told her the story about how she bought her on the street for $500 back in 1971. Melissa believes that's a lie, and this woman is actually the same person who abducted her back then. Uh, the family intends to press charges. This woman has to be probably in her 80s by now, right? But uh, what a case. 51 years you're missing, and then you're reunited with a family who was looking for you for half a century. Uh, let's talk about, we've got to talk about the Oath Keepers sedition trial. On Tuesday of this week, Stephen Rhodes, the leader of the militia known as the Oath Keepers, which operates more like a domestic terrorist organization, he was found guilty of seditious conspiracy in connection with his involvement in the failed coup that occurred on January 6th, according to New York Times. Now, seditious conspiracy, it's a very rare charge in the federal government. It's like breaking out some of those old rules we don't use anymore. Uh, this charge was used against Southern rebels in the Civil War, which also gives you an idea of the magnitude of the trouble that January 6th caused. It was last used in 1995 against Islamic militants who were targeting New York City landmarks. Uh, here's something that Rhodes said leading up to this charge. If you fail to act while you are still in office, this is Mr. Rhodes talking to Donald Trump, President Trump at the time. If you fail to act while you're still in office, we the people will have to fight a bloody war against these two illegitimate Chinese puppets. Meaning Joe Biden and um, his, his Vice President Kamala Harris, of course, although illegitimate Chinese puppets is a killer rock band name, if you ask me. Uh, he, uh, Mr. Rhodes faces 60 years in prison. Can't get there soon enough. Uh, the, this, are you following the Idaho University, the University of Idaho mass murder story? It is a bit strange and it's developing. I have my own theory. I, I don't, I'm probably not going to share it, I'm sure you've developed your own, but it's a very unique case. It's been nearly three weeks since four University of Idaho students were found stabbed to death in their off-campus condo. Police are still searching for a suspect and motive for the attacks. We don't know what the hell happened or why these four people are dead. The four victims were in their bedrooms at a condo that had six bedrooms. Picture this. You've, you've been around the condos outside of large campuses in the United States. This is a three level, and there were six people kind of crash in there. 
I think maybe seven that night actually. And there, I believe there were two bedrooms on the first floor, second floor, and then third floor. There were entrances from the outside on the first floor, but also on the second floor, kind of a walk up in the back. That might actually be important uh, because the people who were murdered were on the second and third floors, and the two young women who were staying on the first floor didn't even realize anything was wrong until like noon the next day. They didn't hear anything, apparently. And when they went up, they found their friends dead. They called into police. They were still processing it and said that uh, they called it in as, as um, I think, an unconscious person. So they didn't even realize they were dead yet. So who in the world broke in? The police say there's no signs of forced entry, which kind of suggests that the person either came in or came out of that second floor, right? Because the first floor they would have had to walk through where the other two women were staying. Who knows? That's jumping to conclusions, too. It's also possible that person was lying in wait in the house while everybody came home and went to bed because this is a Saturday night in a college town. The, the, the four victims and the two young women on that bottom floor, they were all out partying that night. A couple were at a frat party. A couple others uh, went to, I think, like a club downtown or like a food truck. Everybody was kind of out and about until about 2 a.m., 2.30. The police say the victims were undoubtedly targeted. Uh, the, and they were, they were stabbed to death. Uh, there's lots of rumors going around online. You got to temper your expectations. Um, there were, people point to the fact that there's a victim here who made a lot of phone calls to her ex-boyfriend prior to the murder, like about an hour before the murders. And then her friend was also calling him. There seems to be some sort of strife going on there. Uh, but police say he's not a suspect. So the only other piece of this is that the knife is a weird weapon to use for a mass murder spree where you're not caught. Uh, this is the United States after all, Idaho. There's guns on every corner. Everybody know has one. But this person opted to use a very large knife, it appears. So perhaps that's key. Were they not able to get access to guns because of prior convictions or psychological stuff who knows uh so that's that's that story's just going to get bigger the more time goes by you don't kill four people and get away with it next story for 40 years i love these old cold cases that are getting solved every week this is amazing uh for 40 years toronto police had no suspects in the murders of two women who were sexually assaulted and stabbed to death in their beds I'm talking about 45-year-old Susan Tice, who was found August, in August 1983, and then 22-year-old Aaron Gilmore, who was found in December just four months later or in and around Toronto. Now, these two women did not know each other. This seems like the makings of a serial killer, although I don't believe you're called a serial killer until you kill three or more. Uh, you know, so they're still looking at this this guy, I'm getting to an arrest here. Aaron Gilmore was the daughter of David Gilmore, who's the founder of Fiji Water, by the way. Tice was a mother of four. Now, earlier this year, Toronto police enlisted the help of Othram Labs, friend of the show, friend of the Porchlight Project, and they tracked this DNA down to a guy named, jo uh, I'm sorry, Joseph George Sutherland. 
who is rested and charged and sits in, in prison awaiting trial for two counts of first-degree murder. Now, Southern, Sutherland now has a family of his own. He's, the police say he's lived in multiple locations around the province. And they're tracking down his uh, previous residences to see if there might be any similar crimes in the area. Are they dealing with a serial killer here? Unknown at this time. He's going to appear at court again in December uh, December 9th. Finally, the last uh, big story this week, The Boy in the Box. This is a huge story. Now, I first heard about it when I was working as a reporter for the Free Times. Up in Cleveland, I had an editor who was from Philly, and he knew I was into some true crime stuff, and he told me about this mystery of The Boy in the Box. And it's a case from 1957 where a boy ages somewhere between the age of three and seven. He was found naked, beaten to death, and stuffed in a box in, Fox, in the Fox Chase neighborhood of, of greater Philadelphia. And he came to be known as America's unknown child. People have been trying to figure out who he was and who killed him since then. Philly police say they now know the name of the boy in the box, thanks to genetic genealogy, and they will announce his identity next week. Charges are possible, which means whoever killed him, and it's not a huge leap to think that that was probably one of his parents. Now, assuming they were young, let's say they were 20 back in uh, 1957, they'd be 85 today. So, if they're going to charge somebody, this person's going to be very old. Uh, so, but something's happening. Big news for next week already. You heard it here first. Into pop culture, I just finished up watching the documentary on Netflix, Vatican, Vatican Girl. you got to check it out. It's a great story. I think it's like three, three or four parts, three parts. And it's about the disappearance of Manuelo, uh, Manuela Orlandi. Manuela Orlandi. Uh, a 15-year-old who disappeared while returning from a flute lesson in Vatican City in 1983. And it's got all sorts of intrigue. It's set, first of all, in Vatican City, which is its own, like, country within a country inside Italy, where they have their own laws, and the Pope's there, and possibly involved. And there's all this, con all these conspiracy theories and angles. At the end of the day... My hunch is it's a, it's a typical abduction. The weird part is they never found the body. But one of the big mysteries of the last 100 years, you got to check it out on Netflix. I, I, yeah, I'm going to give it you know, five stars. I don't have the thing yet, but we'll, we'll get there. And I want to recommend a book to you, too. Um, I've got lots of books to go through on the shelf. This week, I want to tell you about The Trial of Lizzie Borden probably one of the first big true crime cases. And if you've ever wondered about how all that started and why the media was so obsessed, this is the book for you. Let me give you just a little bit of a write-up. Uh, when Andrew and Abby Borden were brutally hacked to death in Fall River, Massachusetts in August 1892, the arrest of the couple's daughter, Lizzie, turned the case into international news and her trial into a spectacle unparalleled in American history. The popular fascination with the border murders and its central enigmatic character has endured for more than 100 years, but the legend often outstrips the story. Based on transcripts 
of the Board and Legal Proceedings Contemporary Newspaper Articles, previously withheld lawyers' journals, unpublished local reports, and recently unearthed letters from Lizzie herself. The trial of Lizzie Borden is a definitive account of the Borden murder case and offers a window into America in the Gilded Age, showcasing its most held, deeply held convictions and its most troubling social anxieties. Trial of Lizzie Borden, check it out. That's by Kara Robertson. And that's the news for this week. And it's a Friday, which is always reason to celebrate. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, who could celebrate with the best of us, it's time we gotta, 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 Get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.